This may sound weird, but the last few months, and particularly the last few weeks, as difficult as they've been, I've rejoiced in them. I've rejoiced in them not because of the pain and the suffering, but because of what questions we are being asked of of ourselves, of our society at this time. In particular, I rejoice in the fact that there is a national and even an international dialogue going on about human dignity. Oftentimes, we don't talk about human dignity, or we just assume that people treat others in a dignified way, when if we're honest with ourselves, most of the evidence points to the contrary position. But human dignity is one of, if not the most important factors in a moral and ethical life and society. But because we are creatures of the fall, because we have been impacted by sin, we recognize that from the very beginning, from the fall itself, that there has been a failure, a horrible, abject failure on the part of you and me and all of our human brothers and sisters to live in accord with human dignity. Adam and Eve were given everything, and yet they wanted something other than what God was given to them. They rejected their dignity and were cast out of Eden. And ever since then, we have been rebelling in the same way. We recognize in a way because of our faith that God has created you and me with equal dignity, with infinite value. And yet we degrade ourselves and our dignity when we fall into personal sin. And we see in our culture and in our society and in our systems and in our, all these big things and corporations and whatnot, how, what happens when human dignity is not the first and most important value. Millions of people every year starve to death. Tens of millions of children die in the womb through abortion. We treat people like dirt. We treat people with racism and prejudice, both implicit and explicit. We treat people as objects to be used instead of treasures to be enjoyed. Corporations, some of them, exist to exploit the poorest and the most vulnerable. Shame on us for this. And all of us share in this. But the beauty is that when we start to recognize this, that God does not abandon us. As we heard in the very first reading, this is what God does. In order that, excuse me, he therefore let you be afflicted with hunger and then fed you with manna. The God who has created us with infinite value, who has given us powerful use of free will and our reason and rationality, recognizes that because of that immense gift and because of the love that he has for us and not trumping our free will and not stamping down on it, that we will fail. But he allows us to go through that struggle so that we can recognize how he goes even further. He doesn't just create us and be done with us. He desires and continues to reveal himself and be in relationship with us. He fed the Hebrews in the desert, but he doesn't stop there. God himself, Jesus Christ, says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh 
for the life of the world. God so loves us that he himself gives us in Jesus and in the Eucharist his very flesh to eat, his very blood to drink. Because he recognizes, the Catechism talks about our human dignity. It says that it is in Christ, the image of the invisible God, that man has been created in the image and likeness of his creator. The divine image is present in every person. It shines forth in the communion of persons, in the likeness of the unity of the divine persons among us. Endowed with a spiritual and immortal soul, the human person is the only creature on earth that God has willed for its own sake. But man is divided in himself. And as a result, the whole life of men, both individual and social, shows to itself to be a struggle and a dramatic one between good and evil. But into this, God puts his very self at every mass. God is present, sacramentally, substantially, in the Eucharist. There's a great line by Fulton Sheen that says, The greatest love story ever told is contained in one host. That the power of the Holy Communion is such that everything changes every time we go to communion. And it is in receiving Holy Communion, in a state of grace, of course, free of Serious sin. This is why confession and Holy Communion are intimately linked. When we receive Holy Communion in that state, our dignity is restored and amplified. St. Peter Julian Imard, one of the great saints uh, in terms of his love and devotion to the Eucharist, has this to say in a wonderful little book called, um, now I forget the name of it, Oh, How to Get More Out of Holy Communion. Spectacular little book. He says this, Jesus instituted the Eucharist in order to reinstate the human race in its first dignity. Man was degraded, debased by original sin. He forgot his celestial origin, lost his honor as king of creation, and became like the beasts he was meant to govern. He remained by his nature their king, but a king dethroned. But behold the divine plan, how marvelous it is. So God would find a way to rehabilitate man to restore his honor. And as food and clothing are the two things most apt to bring men together among themselves, God would give to him a celestial raiment and a divine nutriment. Thus humanity would be restored to its former dignity. Baptism will purify the child of Adam. The virtues of Jesus Christ will adorn him. The Eucharist will sanctify him. But he goes even further. Restored to the dignity. Restored to that infinite value. Now, let's, what does it mean to have infinite value? Each one of you is worth more than the entirety of creation, except the other people around you. That if you were to add up the value of every created thing, except other human beings, each one of you is more valuable. This is the dignity that you have. This is the dignity when we understand that about ourselves, when we know that in Jesus, we cannot help but share it. But because we sin, we need to be lifted up, we need to be restored. So that, as St. Peter Julian Amard says, every soul has the mission to save other souls on this earth. But to fulfill this, to fulfill this duty, a certain authority is necessary. The one source of moral authority is Holy Communion. 
No one can resist a person in whom Jesus dwells and who by his words and actions makes us aware of this divine presence. Everything changes when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist because God unites himself fully and intimately to us. It is the one thing that you will ever eat that actually changes you into it, not the other way around. When you eat something, it loses whatever it was and it becomes a part of you. When you receive Jesus in the Eucharist, you lose what takes you away from Jesus and are united to his divinity. What power and joy and grace. What amazing gift the Eucharist is to us. And so we are called not only to receive the Eucharist, to be the Eucharist in the world, but to drive out the things that keep us from the Eucharist. The Eucharist strengthens us in the battle for purity. It strengthens us in the battle to bring about greater dignity for each human person in the world. It gives us what we need to grow in dignity. Each and every time we receive communion in a state of grace, it amplifies and builds us up and makes us more irresistibly beautiful and like to the Creator who made us in His own image. The world has problems, absolutely. God gives us a solution. It's the Eucharist. Spend time with Jesus in the Eucharist in prayer. Come to Mass every Sunday. Go to confession so that your Eucharist can be amplified and magnified. The dignity of the human person is of infinite worth and value. Each person, regardless of ethnicity, context, religion, anything, And the Eucharist is given to us without price so that we can be the Eucharist for the world, so that our dignity can be restored, so that we can fight the good fight for the human dignity and the respect of every life, of every moment of every life, from conception until natural death.